was a real kind of statement of intent. Yeah, right from the start, they were really, really, really on it. You can be absolutely sure that they will want to leave absolutely nothing in that changing room. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. The News Run on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along. It's Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock tonight. We've got a busy show ahead. Creeping Kelleher starting in goal for Liverpool in tonight's Carabao Cup semi-final against Arsenal. We keep a close eye on that game. John Giles will be with us as well at half past seven, reflecting on the week's football. Cristiano Ronaldo not too happy with being taken off early from Manchester United last night. And what is going wrong with Chelsea among the topics for John Giles. We'll also touch on what's happening with Everton with John and also with Greg O'Keefe from The Athletic, who join us after nine o'clock on the football show for a bit of a deeper look on to the malaise that has set in at Goodison Park over the last few years and between eight o'clock and nine o'clock while Jeff Reinbold is a very familiar figure from Sky Sports NFL coverage it is playoff time and he's going to join us after eight (coughs) o'clock they're into what is essentially the last eight and also we're going to be joined by Dean Mason who is the Ballyhale goalkeeper ahead of their All-Ireland Club semi-final this weekend. 53106 is the text number. Add off the ball if you want to get in touch on Twitter. Richie McCormick, good evening. Young Nathan, how are you? I am alright. You wearing a Christmas jumper? No, I'm wearing a my uh, New York Jets. Ah, that's, Joe Namath that's jersey. Okay. I thought, it's alright if you want to wear a Christmas jumper, you know, Richie. It's fine, I wouldn't have judged you, but uh, <laughs> no, that's acceptable. Joe Malloy? You absolutely would have judged me. I, clearly, but you know. I would have uh, politely <laughs> moved on. Politely moved on. Joe Malloy, how are you? You'd have got an entire news round out of that one, Richie. Absolutely. Uh, so Dean Mason coming up uh, in just a little while. He's at 21 years of age. He's the goalkeeper with Ballyhale Shamrocks. His record ain't bad. He got the call off Henry Shefflin when he's like 17, 18. Henry at that stage is the Ballyhale manager. Any chance you come in, which is, you know, living the dream to start with. Uh, and then, since then, he's won every single club championship game he's played. Four... Uh, Kilkenny titles Leinster titles two All-Ireland titles going for a third straight All-Ireland title Uh, it doesn't get much better than that Joe not bad not bad it's a bizarre position is it one of the most if not the most bizarre positions in world sport being a hurling goalkeeper for a long time it did feel it was hit it as far as you can as hard as you can Uh, whereas now obviously it has changed completely in that puckout strategies are crucial to every great team but yeah you need to be a little bit insane to have a Schlitter coming at you at about 130 miles an hour and to put your body on the line I know there's the Peter Schmeichel spread yourself make yourself as big as possible but dear God anyone who's got a puck of a hurl or Schlitter on a cold winter's night whoo no thank you no thank you and like we're talking about the modern era now where well you couldn't say there's much protection and there's cups around the more delicate, important regions because Joe Quaid is on the show next week. I was having a look at Joe Quaid's Leg Regale, which is going out on the 3rd of February. And Joe Quaid is, of course, part of the Quaid mm. dynasty where his father, Jim, played for Limerick and uh, Jim had a twin brother, Jack, who played for Limerick. And so uh, Jim had Joe, played for Limerick. Jack had Tommy, who played in goal for Limerick for 18 years and of course uh, Tommy is Nicky's father Nicky in goal at the moment so uh, in Joe's case 
Joe took over from his cousin Tommy, who, like I said, had been goal for 18 years. And in his first season, wins an all-star. That was the famous Offaly All-Ireland final where they won it at death. And then they were beaten by Clare in 95. And then they went again in 96. And they got to another All-Ireland final. And uh, they lost this time to Wexford. And again, Joe got an all-star. And in 1997 against Leash, this is a well-known story, obviously. Everybody, I'm sure, of a certain age knows it. But uh, there was a penalty and uh, Ball took a bounce and just missed his hurl as he was going there to try and save it and hit him in the testicles. And if you're of a sensitive disposition, maybe move away from the radio for the next minute or two. But the word that Joe Quaid uses in the Lake Regale about what happened is that his testicle exploded. That is the word that he used. It was absolutely a devastating moment, devastating injury. What I hadn't realized about the story is that he asked to come off and he ended up finishing the game. What? Which is a new piece of information wow. uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, so he somehow finishes the game and he is in agony. He is in agony. And in the dressing room afterwards, he's having a shower and he goes to the doctor and shows the doctor the full extent of the situation. And the doctor takes one look at the area and says, you need to go to the hospital right now. He went to the hospital immediately. Now, he does admit he stopped on the way at McDonald's. <laughs> Sometimes you just need some chicken nuggets. Which apparently slowed the operation by several hours because he'd eaten too oh, recently. No. And uh, he had to be operated on. Joe, Joe, Joe. Yeah, lost the... Am I gone? No, you're there. You're there. Sorry, sorry. I'm saying Joe Quaid. What are you doing, Joe? Don't stop at McDonald's. <laughs> sorry, I, thought, I thought you were bemoaning my Wi-Fi. Uh, he went to McDonald's and uh, the doctor walked in in the hospital, looked at him and said, ouch. And uh, he <laughs> tells the story very well. Yeah, he went and called another doctor in. And the second doctor, uh, I kid you not, according to Joe Quaid, said, does that hurt? Uh, to which Joe confirmed it did indeed hurt. And he had the operation. And thankfully, look, he lost the testicle thankfully he was able to have kids at four kids and uh so but the really amazing interesting thing is he's only played three years seniors won two all-stars this happens early 97 uh by his own admission he went back and he kept playing and played uh inter-county and he, he remembers a moment where somebody was in on goal a couple of years year or two later and we wouldn't have noted noted this moment as onlookers but joe remembers uh, the shot was taken, and when, when Joe landed, he had his back to the player who took the shot. And he realized something had changed. A loss of nerve, maybe, is the way to put it. I mean, I think it's a miracle he put himself in front of a slitter mm. ever again. But So when we say it's a mad position, it's a mad position. Wow, that is a heck of a story. So that's coming up next week. Yeah, Tuesday, I think, yeah. He is one of the great hurling men, and... Still has that passion there. You know, got up to Kildare, up to Westmead. Uh, just absolutely lives it and loves it. Wow, I never realised that. That I guess, how could it not affect you in that way? You do look at hurling goalkeepers, and as you say, they, they do have the cups now. Like, they should nearly be wearing a bulletproof vest. Like, when, you, they, full body. Full body armour, I Something. Think, yeah. Something. Now, that'd be us lads who didn't play hurling. You know, probably a little bit soft is what they'd be thinking. But, yeah, the bravery that you need to play in that position. There's probably a documentary down in Limerick on the great goalkeepers of the last 50 years, not named Quaid. The lads who've been ripping it up in the club championship and are, this is surely the year. I'm going to get the call. What's the name? Malloy? Nah, 
Nah, you're fine. You, you can beat a sub if you want, but we're kind of sorted. There's about six more quades on the way, so we're sort of done. We're, we're okay in that position. It's just fine. Well, Joe's son plays for the Limerick under-19s. I'll let you guess the position. So it's utterly incredible. It's a dynasty, you know, and uh, there hasn't been a decade since the 1950s where a Quaid hasn't played for Limerick of that family. It's mad. Yeah. The, the two brothers, uh, Jim and Jack, uh, who only died in the last year, actually, in their late 80s, and then Joe talked about that on Tuesday. Uh, they didn't die of COVID, but he certainly feels COVID, it slowed them down and, and took away they were very active men and they couldn't be as active and it, he felt maybe hastened their uh, demise. Right. But yeah, the, the, the twin brothers, Jim and Jack, begot Joe and Tommy and then Nicky is there now and Joe's son is playing for the 19. So um, it's, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary, like beautiful, but it's, in, it's incredible. All right, so that coming away next week. Yeah, Dean Mason, who's at a very different stage of his career, who I say is just starting out with Ballyhale. They play St. Thomas's of Galway, where uh, I'm sure Henry Shefflin, uh, well, he won't have uh, mixed emotions at all. I'm sure he's absolutely hoping that Ballyhale go and win that game, but we'll probably be keeping a closer eye on the St. Thomas's players. And we also use the chance uh, when we're talking to Dean, when we're talking about family dynasties, to go back to Tommy Walsh's family tree of Ballyhale, where it turns out they're all sort of related. And even the Shefflins and the Fennellys and Brian Cody, an outsider for Ballyhale. There's a first cousin relationship there somewhere. So it's, a, it's not surprising that Ballyhale are maybe the greatest hurling club that we have ever seen. So he's coming up uh, between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock. But there is live football once again. Richie and Alison is available. It's a cup semi-final. But Cuevin Kelleher, come on down. Yeah, Pep Linders has called this Queevian's Cup and a place in the Carabao Cup final awaits either Arsenal or Liverpool tonight. The sides are goalless heading into the second leg of their semi-final at the Emirates. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale starts in goal for the hosts who appear to have a clean bill of health after last week's postponement. Takahiro Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney are their back four. Albert Salmi Lakonga and Martin Odegaard sit in midfield. In front of them, the trio of Bakayo Saka, Emile Smith-Rowe and Gabriel Martinelli with Alexandre Lacazette starting up front. For Liverpool, Kelleher, as you mentioned, starting in goal. A back four, as we might have imagined, like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson. In midfield, then we've got the trio of Fabinho, Jordan Henderson and Curtis Jones. 17-year-old Cade Gordon starts up front alongside Diogo Jota and Roberto Firmino. And kickoff is at 7.45. Yeah, it's a um, real endorsement of Cuevin Keller. I know it's not unusual, it's the Carabao Cup, there is rotation, and Jurgen Klopp probably feels I need to put him in on these sort of occasions, but still, it's a Cup semi-final in a year when, well, Jurgen Klopp hasn't given up, it looks highly unlikely they're going to win the league. Uh, you hope it all works out for Cuevin Keller. We saw with Gallini for Spurs last week, you are looking at the end of the game saying, why would you not play Hugo Lloris? But it does show exactly where Cuevin Keller is. While he is second, he's the second who Jurgen Klopp trusts Joe. Absolutely, yeah. This is the stage of the competition where the Queeving Kellers of the world have the difficult conversation with the manager, isn't it? Thanks. Thanks for getting us so far. These are big nights. It's important to the fans. We've got to win a competition. So, you know. And uh, instead, he's been given the nod. So I really hope it goes well for him this evening. And, you know, the, the predicament for Queeving Keller has been whether to move and try and get first team football or to sit on the bench at Liverpool. But I think, you know, he's just been drip fed maybe enough top-level football this season to very much have justified this season. I saw Shea Given a while back saying mm. he'd be banging on Klopp's door to go out and loan and go out and play more football. He's, he's, he's maybe just about getting enough. So, um, fingers crossed tonight goes well from, I guess, the other big talking point around this game. Well, sorry, there's the real world and then there's you know the official world. But in the real world, everyone's just talking about this yellow card Arsenal uh, situation, which is 
extraordinary uh, story and investigation are, 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 are of the way. Are you allowed so to speculate on it? I was going to say because it's all over. Um, I, I was commentating on the match uh, that was um, is in question um, at the time, and I, I don't remember it in any way. But I was looking at line on online as to where they're saying it happened. I don't think there's much we can say about it, but like yeah. it will open a massive can of worms if somehow this was proven that the player in question was booked on purpose for betting reasons. Uh, so it could well end up being one of the most interesting stories in football mm. for a long, long time uh, if this is proven. It's a 7.45 kickoff, Richie, for this. Like, Arsenal, over the next couple of weeks, could be one of the most interesting clubs in terms of the transfer window. Like, even now, you look at that Arsenal team and think, God, it's exciting, it's refreshing. Uh, ben White seems to be justifying, as much as you can, that £50 million price tag at the back. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale's been a bit of revelation in goal. And the likes of Smith-Rowe, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, like those four playing behind Lacazette tonight, is as exciting a young attacking force as you've got around football at the moment in terms of their potential yeah their midfield is in trouble though um, and they need an addition in there I would say before the, the window uh, comes to be uh, closed in, in a few days well, that, time that's the bit that it could looks be interesting like in terms of like they're talking about bringing in Arthur from uh, Juventus and also Dusan Vlahovic yeah. who's been ripping it up I know he didn't do a huge amount when we saw him play for Serbia against the Republic of Ireland but at club level for Fiorentina like to go and invest yeah, yeah. At, a, at a time when fourth position really seems up in the air and maybe go and spend 70-80 million quid in the January transfer window would be enormous backing for Mikel Arteta yeah, but they need a midfielder, and and neither of those I don't think would would fit the role that that they currently need to be occupied in there. And it looks like if I look at that team, I don't think Martin Odegaard is going to play as deep as that starting eleven suggests. And it looks like they'll have four in behind uh, Lacazette with Sambi Lakanga essentially acting as a as a low midfielder. There's a chance that Arsenal get overrun in midfield. Mm. There's also a chance that that front five really caused Liverpool's back four problems tonight and, and managed to pin Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson back in a way that they don't like doing and therefore creating chances for themselves and putting this tie to bed pretty early but it's uh, it's going to be a I'd imagine it's going to be a pretty open tie from the get-go yeah we're waiting for the great Carabao Cup semi-final to arrive it never really came between Chelsea and Spurs are in the first leg last week but maybe this is the one 7.45 kickoff. Uh, the African Cup of Nations then Algeria who many people's favourites the defending champions they're gone they are indeed. They finished bottom of their group after a 4-1 defeat to Ivory Coast this afternoon. Ivory Coast topped that group and will play Egypt in the last 16 and what's a pretty mouth-watering tie. Sierra Leone lost 1-0 to Equatorial Guinea this afternoon and missed a late penalty that would have sent them through as one of the best third-place sides. Instead, Little Comoros will play host Cameroon in the last 16. Equatorial Guinea will play whoever finishes top of Group F tonight. As things stand, that will be Mali, who lead Mauritania by a goal to nil. The other game in Group F at the moment remains goalless between Gambia and Tunisia. Uh, the news round brought to you by Gillette. You can put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. So the Australian Open, uh, a little bit of controversy today for once not involving Novak Djokovic. Yeah, the uh, second seed, men's second seed, Daniel Medvedev, has accused the Australian Open crowd of having a low IQ. The Russian made the claim after beating home favourite Nick Kyrgios in four sets today. Crowds in Melbourne have taken to mimicking Cristiano Ronaldo's celebration in the stands, something Medvedev and others have confused with booze. By the time he faced his post-match press conference, the Russian was in a calmer mood. And yeah, the only thing is that yeah, between first and second serve, that's where, well, it's... It's tough. <laughs> it's uh, it's not good for the game, I think, to do it because uh, probably people don't know. But when you're getting ready for the second serve, well, it's a it's a tough moment, and uh, I think yeah, people should respect both players and just you know 
uh, don't talk in these moments. If not during the match, uh, again, uh, you know, it's not easy to be there when the whole stadium is against you. But probably if you look it on the, if I will look it on the TV, I'm, I'm probably not going to do it tonight, but maybe after the tournament, I'm going to be like, wow, that's a great atmosphere for a tennis match. Uh, this Cristiano Ronaldo shoe celebration, uh, I missed this for many, many years until uh, my three-year-old daughter was running around the house doing it uh, quite recently and <laughs> I realised this was a big thing. Has this always been Cristiano Ronaldo's celebration? Not always. It has come in the last few years. Like, I definitely recall it being a thing during his time at Juventus. Um, I don't remember the big exclamation that went along with it and, and the whole crowd joining in. But ever since he's he's gone back to Manchester United, it has exploded in popularity to the point where, like even Nick Kyrgios mimicked it after his uh, first round win as well uh, the other day. So like, it, the Australian Open crowd are boisterous at the best of times. This has just given them extra incentive to to annoy people who are playing on court. I thought maybe Sue was Portuguese for yes. But Ronaldo said that everyone would say C after he scored, and for some reason he started saying Sue, and it just took off from there. So now it's become his trademark. What? He's probably going to actually trademark it too. Can't, I, I presume. Can't follow this. We, we, Cristiano Ronaldo does the celebration. So he does the celebration and he spins around and he throws the, the arms back, back, yeah. back shouts yeah. Sue, which I never realised. I never knew this was mean? a thing. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't really mean anything. He just made it up. Well, doesn't therefore he can trademark it. about the times we're living in. Why, like, why, how idiotic, what is what? Sorry, I'm not getting into it. Andy Murray thought they were booing him as well, actually. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Andy Murray walked off the court, thought they were booing him. So, are they all just a uh, midpoint? How is it happening at up? the stadium? I can understand little kids copying if they're playing a match and they score a goal and you want to do the celebration, like the way Joe Malloy would have been, you know, dancing around the corner flag back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what are they doing at the Australian Open? Do people just randomly yeah. shout it out? Yeah, pretty much they'll 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 break into it and in, in um, you know shouts of shoe as 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 their wants to do like the same what? way they'd shout Aussie 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 you know that kind of stuff that goes around the, the courts there but yeah it's it's what? just and it makes no whose sense. dog is that much it's much like Richie's dog the crowd shout at just random ah oh, here we go ah oh, do you know what Richie this is a setup this is a setup he's been watching Tommy Rooney with Bailey. he's been watching Hank come on with Willow Callan and Richie wants to go and I've got the cutest dog of all. No, she's gone. She wants to get out of the room. Oh, really? Oh, I uh, thought. Uh, yeah, you got to give the listeners and the viewers, you know, that little bit, that little bit of cuteness, Richie. I was here. There was no one else in the house, so now that they're uh, the the gang are back, uh, okay. she's gone back downstairs. The madness has returned. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay, so is this going to be a thing that we're going to have to get used to at Irish sports grounds? Yeah. Right. It's rather. Rather depressing. I, I thought it was going to be more exciting, the actual story behind it, but it turns out it's not exciting at all. Uh, Andy Murray's gone? Yeah, he is. His tournament was ended in three straight sets by the Japanese qualifier Taro Daniel. Daniel will play 11 seed Yannick Sinner in round three. Emma Raducanu suffered from blisters on a racket hand as she fell to a three-set defeat to Danka Kovinic. The US Open champion said a COVID layoff prior to the tournament led to those problems today. Been struggling with blisters since... Um since I started playing really in Australia because I, uh, 21 days, no tennis, my hands got pretty soft and uh, and from from day one, day two, I was getting blisters pop up here and there, but this particular one um, has been with me for about five days and I've been trying to like tape it for every practice and, and it would it would like harden and dry out, but then once I would play again, like another layer would just keep ripping off. So 
uh, it ended up being pretty deep. Um, but I mean, it's it's a bit annoying because I know it's something that will heal in like a few days, but it's just unfortunate timing. Yeah, really is. Um, and sounds pretty painful, to be honest. Not the yeah, sort of thing you can just play through. Like I'm sure there'll be a former Good Morning Britain and Daily Mirror, Mirror editor who might queue up to tell her to toughen up toughen or something. Up but like, bit, eh? it's, uh, there was bloody a, sore. A that is bloody sore. Yeah. And uh, do you know the worst part is, is the pain? But I think, unfortunately, there's some part of your brain when it knows it's about to feel the pain again when you're about to strike the ball that just somehow half pulls out of the shot or you know manipulates things without you even with the best will in the world. You want to just play how you would normally play. But I think she it, completely had to change her game bad. today. She yeah, completely I'll bet. had to change yeah. her game. She was playing all these um, kind of chip forehands and she wasn't able to really put the leather on a forehand properly. And when she did, at one stage during the middle of the second set, there was an audible yelp that wasn't just your average tennis player playing a shot. It was a cry of pain. And then shortly afterwards, the change of end, she was sitting down, having the thing wrapped up again. Like to do it with your racket hand and to have it, as she says, with a blister that deep um, is, is painful. I know Murray suffered with him as well with his feet um, pretty regularly. And I think he has done in this tournament too. I'm not saying it was behind today's defeat, but it's definitely like it's an issue if they flare up when you're playing in 30 odd degree heat in a hot stadium. It's not pleasant. Now, ladies and gentlemen, live Richie McCormick tears on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English League one side, uh, MK Dons appear close to signing Dawson Devoy from Bohemians. The midfielder was named PFAI Young Player of the Year last season, and the Dons this week signed Devoy's Republic of Ireland under 21 teammate Connor Coventry on loan having also taken Troy Parrott on loan from Tottenham. The Dons have met Bo's bio-clause, uh, clause even, as Devoy was one of 11 players to sign up for the 2022 season. Yeah, it's a huge blow for Bohemians, big blow for the league as well, Richie, as you say, young player of the year, one of the most exciting uh, young players in the league, but I guess that's the business model. It is, yeah, and like I'm not thinking that they'll get too much money out of this. I mean, the the example highlighted by Neil O'Reardon today in the Sun was the it was 150 grand in the round that that Sligo pocketed from Johnny Kenny going to mm. Sligo. Um, I don't think that Bose like in the with the best hopes in the world. I don't think they're going to get similar money for Dawson. Um, I would keep my fingers crossed that they do because be much needed and they need to really stock up on players before February 18th and the season starts. Um, because it's been a it's been a summer. I was going to say a summer, but it's been a winter of outgoings. Like Ross Tierney's gone to Motherwell. Georgie Kelly isn't coming back to the league at all. Uh, Rob Cornwell's gone to the US. Keith Buckley's gone to uh, Australia, and Andy Lyons might be heading off to the UK too. So they've they've been bludgeoned in terms of their squad and really need to restock. Do you want to see if I can get your Rovers season ticket, Richie? Come watch some good football. Not in the first day of the season, obviously, but you know. Just got sick of my mouth there. <clears throat> yeah, oh, God, that better be overturned. Yeah. By the way, like outrageous decision. But anyways, uh, Richie, we got time for one more story. Uh, Shane Lowry, Abadawi. Yeah. In- Indeed, he is uh, five shots off the lead and best of the Irish after day one of the Abu Dhabi Championship. Four shots indeed off the lead on five under par. Uh, Rory McIlroy shot 11 par round to 72. Today, Padraig Harrington is a shot worse off on one over. Jonathan Caldwell, he's three over. He still has three overs to complete of his first round tomorrow morning. Uh, Scott Jameson of Scotland heads the field on nine under par. All right, thanks a lot, Richie. Uh, the latest episode of Golf Weekly is live right now. Get on to otbsports.com forward slash golf weekly. Sign up on the Patreon. Gary Murphy was on this week once again. He's actually over in Abu Dhabi. He was following a lot of the players around uh, for work this afternoon so he sort of brought us up to date with that and everything else that's going on it's a cracker once again Joe we're in great form 2022 Richie you'll be glad to hear it he won't hear us but you're, you're glad of it I'm sure no doubt uh, Joe it's thank you to know things exactly exactly Joe good stuff uh, Richie right, thank you
It was a real kind of statement of intense. Yeah, right from the start, they were really, really, really on it. You can be absolutely sure that they will want to leave absolutely nothing and not changing them. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now.